Registration is now open for ACRM 2021. Registering for our virtual annual conference gives you access to the content for over six months. That's over 400 hours of CME CEUs. Go to acerum.org slash register to check out the growing online program and see all of our great registration options. Welcome to episode 36 of the Rehab Cast from the Archives of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation. Now, herewith is a rare single interview episode of our podcast. It features Irene Battle on her work delving into the challenging problem of Parkinson's disease-related dysphagia. Dr. Battle and colleagues in Ireland and Italy conducted a systematic review of biofeedback interventions for the problem. Dr. Battle, thanks for joining us today on the RehabCast. Thank you so much. You and your colleagues have authored uh, in the journal um, a paper discussing uh, dysphagia and uh, uh, dysphagia therapy in the Parkinson's disease population. Specifically, the title is Interventions Involving Biofeedback Mm -hmm. to Improve Swallowing in People with Parkinson's Disease and Dysphagia, a Systematic Review. So uh, a deep look at uh, the literature such as it exists. Um, And uh, so let's start with uh, kind of the the broader uh, view um, dysphagia is a uh, rather central feature of uh, Parkinson's disease, is it not? Yeah, indeed. Like swallowing problems are really one of the main features, and when symptoms of this population is one of the main causes of death in this population. And and basically, um, because they they have problem with sensory but also motor weakness. So both of these these components are so important for swallowing. Thinking about when you eat, you smell, you taste. So those those, uh, parts are really important for eating, but also the strength of your lips and cheeks and also the pharyngeal muscles. So, yeah, these age and swallowing problems are really important in this population. Yeah, Um, so the the general kind of skeletal muscle movements might get all of the attention and, and walking and so forth, but this is actually the thing that, that really might kill people in terms of aspiration, pneumonias, and so forth, and obviously just uh, um, uh, really increases the medical complexity as people start to have more difficulty swallowing and might need tube feedings or other things and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed, like pneumonia caused by swallowing problems are really one of the main causes of uh, death in this population. And also, not only that, but also they have problems to take, for example, pills. Mm. Um, many studies show that uh, sometimes they have difficulties to swallow down the big pills they have to take. And some studies show that have the, the, the pills deposited in the vallecula, so in the pharynx. And so it is important to start treatment before that really severe signs of dysphagia occur in this population. Now, uh, biofeedback is increasingly popular in all realms of our rehabilitation, so not surprising that it's entering the Parkinson's disease literature as well. Although I think uh, um, uh, from your experience doing this this review paper, um, uh, we might say that it, maybe it's surprising that more hasn't been done uh, at, at this point. You guys did a pretty uh, extensive uh, search. and In fact, your, your inclusion criteria, it looks like we're pretty broad for any of the work out there involving uh, biofeedback techniques and uh, dysphagia in the mm-hmm. PD population. Uh, and, uh, and, and tell us what, what, you, what you found generally in the course of doing that search. 
Yeah, basically, like our pro- approach was that uh, biofeedback, it, it is one of the key components for rehabilitation in Parkinson's disease because helping like basic ganglia are fundamental for motor mm. learning and providing external feedback is really important, for example, for the gait. And lots of study has been done in uh, for limb rehabilitation. However, in for swallowing, mm, there is like there are not really uh, lots of studies mm-hmm. like um, in uh, for limb rehabilitation. That's why we wanted to broaden our um, our criteria. But what we have, uh, I think, what the main um, difference, the key component of our systematic review is that we look at biofeedback specifically, differently from all the other studies, and. and for example, and I, I would like to mention uh, the, the the study of um, Dr. Megidi Hakabim, which was published. It, the, the main author is Atu Korala, and uh, and the last what was this study was carried out in the lab of Megidi Hakabim, and was published in our child's physical medical rehabilitation. Basically, Megidi really did something really in- interesting. Say it that um, biofeedback is just a tool to make people aware of what they're doing. So the main component is the treatment that you're doing. And then the tool that you can use could be really important, but it it is really what you're doing that makes the difference. Sure, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And probably, I mean, obviously, before we're even using the biofeedback techniques, the the speech therapist there with the patient is giving the patient that biofeedback in in a way, even if it's not something that's like, you know, maybe as fancy as these EMG devices and so forth, that that's in large part what the therapist is attempting to do in in real time, give them extra cues and so forth, right? Yeah, that's really important. And yeah, I think that one other important thing of like biofeedback is also the frequency mm-hmm. of like the type of biofeedback. I mean, like also verbal, it could be a biofeedback, but intensity could be randomized or could be like um, schedule, uh, like or always. Biofeedback could be done like for the results or for the performance. Mm-hmm. And that really make the difference. Sometimes if you are learning new thing, I was trying to myself, if people are just pushing me with all the feedback while I was trying to understand something, for example, I'm rowing in Venice and there is this old guy who tried to teach me and it was like keeping me like all the feedback, one, <laughs> one, one followed the other. I was like completely like I didn't know what to do, but instead. And so I, I thought to my patients sometimes, you know, we just give too many feedback and they could not realize what they are doing. Yeah. So I think this systematic review emphasizes this. You need to maybe sometimes shut up or not give too many feedback. Make them aware of what they are doing. Yeah. So maybe it's better to give a feedback on the performance and not just giving a feedback on the goal, um, on the result. Many of like strength uh, treatment, just ask them to just push, push, push. Yeah. To give instead in Parkinson, we need we want to work in coordination. Swallowing is really a coordination task, so maybe it's better uh, giving feedback on performance. Okay, so some. Am I asking your question? Oh, definitely. Yeah, and you've given a, a great new tip for other speech therapists out there. Try not to be as effusive as a Venetian rowing instructor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Try to restrain yourself. <laughs> okay. 
All right, very good. Now, as you looked at all these papers, you know, over a thousand and so forth, I mean, I keep paring down to those that you can actually look at for the uh, for this narrative review, and ultimately it's only four papers. What, what's like the main thing that whittles it down so so dramatically that there's only four, one of which isn't, isn't even published is, uh, you know, a, 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 an educational thesis and so forth? That's also something that really also upset me because at the beginning, if you look at, as I mentioned, if you look like other, uh, for example, limb rehabilitation balance for Parkinson, there are many, many, many studies, many systematic review and meta-analysis you can find, but for swallowing, not. And maybe is one problem of if you have swallowing rehabilitation that maybe has been just is something that has been recently it's really harder to actually to give a feedback internal feedback for swallowing because it's an internal function so i think that is the main problem of our study i'm the my, my criteria for the systematic review were really broad so i just look at for parkinson and swallowing so i in the basket uh, was full of, of other type of uh, like intervention not using biofeedback mm-hmm. um, I think that now uh, the like the literature recent literature start to use the understanding the role of giving external cues for for swallowing help them to uh, increase the Im- imaginary like using cortical function to see what they are doing while they're swallowing and help them Something really recent, actually. Fascinating. Um, of those four papers, two of them were similar, uh, you know, surface uh, EMG types of studies. They're perhaps obviously focusing on different mm. techniques. Um, and uh, one of them uh, involved this inflated air balloon in the interior neck uh, to get feedback and another videos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a little bit strange. Um, they were really, mm-hmm. really different. Mm-hmm. Two of them use surface EMG biofeedback, which basically is like a surface EMG attached to them mm-hmm. under the chin, because this area uh, is um, well. Um, when you are swallowing, there's some mental muscle have them, the higher bone to move mm-hmm. up and forward. So we were we were like collecting those information. They were collecting those information to understand if the people were swallowing, and the other well. The study Felix was they attached a balloon because they they used the pressure of the thyroid system and it was a case series. Another study that was really interesting, but a little bit maybe invasive. They used the fiber endoscopic, so a tube, a really small tube, used for fiber endoscoping, like instrument evaluation to understand. I think that um if well, the surface MG is uh, not invasive as fiber um, endoscopic assessment. So it's something that it could be useful also in clinical, but also at home to the patient. So it could be really like something that it could be done also maybe in telerehabilitation. Future studies should look at. Yeah, and as far as uh, yeah, surface EMG, of course, there there are uh, uh, you know commercial companies getting involved in that space now as as well. Um, we're out of the box on uh, training therapists to do it, uh, vital stem and so forth. Um, so definitely more popular in in that regard, and I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot more research in in that direction. Um, I was curious though about the the manner study with the 
uh, the patients looking at video mm. of themselves and and the uh, uh, swallowing in in the past though I mean is that uh, I guess it meets some criteria of definition of biofeedback but maybe not others certainly it's obviously not real time biofeedback um, so a little bit more challenging to uh, mm. in that way but but was that study uh, successful well that study was really successful and is the one of the, um, the study we use instrumental evaluation mm-hmm. to look like um, pre and post. So it, they were like objective mm-hmm. measurements, which, um, which really, um, and they, they showed that really re- less residue, pharyngeal residues mm-hmm. after the treatment. And the main, well, basically, the, the, the videos help patients to record how to use, how to use um, compensative maneuvers mm-hmm. during swallowing. Mm, some people need to, for example, to, uh, to put the chin, the chin down for swallowing or to use other kind of really specific or maybe hold the breath during swallowing. And, and so and they were, these, um, this video helped them to, re- to record how they, they have to uh, move the pharyngeal and the head or the neck during swallowing. So I think it's really like interesting study. Uh, however, it's something that is not really real time. So, um, and in Parkinson um, is a neurodegenerative disease. So some, we expect they, they are, yeah, they are changing and it's better to instead to be focused each time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you noticed a, a general trend with some some studies putting more emphasis on uh, the skill or technique of the swallowing, and others more uh, direct uh, strengthening. Um, uh, it sounds like uh, you you favor the the skill generally as being more important for the Parkinson's movement disorder in particular. Mm. Uh, there is a big big debate on this, but we we need to really thinking about what is swallowing. It's based on coordination of different muscles. Coordination not only with the muscles, but as I mentioned before, with the sensory, with the taste, with, for example, there is, when we are eating, there is more saliva. So it, there are different components that um, that works together during swallowing. And if we just um, work on specific muscle, just to increase the strength of the specific muscle, maybe we are not working on the mm-hmm. function. And there is the, the, the first principle of neuroplasticity is use mm-hmm. it or lose it. If you're not used, you're going to lose that function. So it's better to work on coordination and and then also coordination could have an effect on strength of the muscles. Is well documented. Yeah. Well, uh, you mentioned that you're uh, uh, continuing to do research activities now with a couple of different institutions. Would you tell us about uh, projects you're working on currently? <laughs> Yeah, there are different projects still in, on swallowing. First, th- there is this main project using surfing biofeedback for mm-hmm. Parkinson's disease. And yeah, I'm working with Trinity College of Dublin for this. And we are recruiting different kind of patients. Uh, we did a pilot study. was the end of my PhD. And we look at how uh, surfing biofeedback with skilled treatment was really helpful for uh, that population uses instrumental evaluation. And then because I, I'm working as a clinician and in the last years, in the last years, yeah, year, 
I work in the COVID mm. with COVID patients for rehabilitation. So I'm working also to help people to, to regain swallowing function and voice in that population. Fantastic. Yeah, uh, we've, we've certainly seen a few of those cases at Shepherd Center here, too, as I, uh, I'm sure most rehabilitation hospitals are uh, working on that population now as well and seeing many of the mm. same types of deficits that we see on our other patient populations, for sure. Um, mm, yeah. Well, uh, I, I think that that's a, uh, an excellent uh, uh, taster or teaser uh, or, or perhaps an overview of, of this uh, um, uh, narrative review of uh, Parkinson's disease, dysphagia, and biofeedback. Uh, I thank you so much for joining us today from Venice, mm-hmm. Italy. Thank you for having me. I uh, really appreciate your appearance on the podcast, and uh, best of luck to you in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that's it for this shorter episode of the Rehab Cast. Please like and share with your colleagues and join us soon for more insight from the people behind the research and the rehabilitation field's top journal. 